I do stand amazed at um, our praise team. We, uh, we may have a, a little church, as Jane said, but we, uh, we experience uh, amazing worship, and we're blessed to have a great media team. They get the sound and the projection and the lighting all ready for us. We're on Facebook Live and YouTube. We've got greeters and ushers, and um, we've got deacons and... Sunday school teachers, we're doing amazing things here at First Baptist. Um, while I pray, you can um, put your thumb in Luke 10, 25 through 37. We're going with the theme of uh, Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child, uh, that Franklin Graham started way back in 1993 when he was asked by uh, someone in England to fill up some shoeboxes for some kids in Bosnia and he kind of forgot about it and the guy got back with him in Thanksgiving and he's like oh boy I better get on this thing and he he contacted a um, pastor Ross Rhodes in Calvary Church in Charlotte North Carolina and uh, by the end of their shoeboxes drive they had 11,000 gift boxes and combined with those in Canada that the man in England had contacted, they had 28,000 shoeboxes to give to um, people in, uh, children in war-torn uh, Balkans area that Christmas. So, just a little church can do amazing things. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we are blessed. You love us unconditionally. We are rich beyond measure. Let us be your hands and feet in a broken world. Help us to share your love to those in need. Open our eyes that we may see opportunities to serve and your face in others we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. So I learned my lesson from another sermon, and I stapled these so they're not going to fall off the podium. <laughs> so, um, who are we? Well, in thinking about um, the Good Samaritan story, it's a pretty familiar one. Um, Rhonda ran into this website, Good News Network, and um, I wanted to connect it to Veterans Day somehow. So, um, here is... Um, a Marine vet, a dedicated volunteer for disabled American veterans. He was gifted a new van so he could continue his labor of love. He's a former U.S. Marine, Len Johnson. He drives to other veterans' homes in Philadelphia to support them in any way he can. So people at True Car saw an opportunity to honor him. At the age of 18, he served in Vietnam. And a... Lance Corporal received multiple shrapnel wounds during a firefight, causing him to lose the use of his left foot. Despite that, he serves local veterans and drops off toys for the children at the Catholic Workers' Orphanage. The picture shows the moment Len was surprised with his new retrofitted Chevy Traverse. It was designed to... the, the True car 
eighth annual Driven to Drive initiative was designed to honor the sacrifices made by service members and their families by supporting their mobility needs. I feel good knowing I can finally retire my 20-year-old car and continue my service to the community with this donation, said the 74-year-old vet who has limited mobility in his right leg. Johnson has been using his own vehicle with over 300,000 miles, 300, miles on it for all of his volunteer activities, which include helping veterans who are incarcerated. Over a lifetime of service, Len has been recognized with the Purple Heart, Republic of Veteran Cross of Gallantry, Good Conduct Medal, National Defense Medal, Combat Action Ribbon, and the Presidential Unit Citation. So, a pretty amazing volunteer. We have many of those here at our church. Our Missions in Action group, people who uh, support our Hillcrest Ministries. Um, many donate to things like our disaster relief fund that we're collecting for Hurricane Ian and um, other activities and charities along the way. So if you will turn to Luke 10, verse 25, we'll read a familiar story that we all know. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But the Samaritan was traveling, came to where the man was, and he saw him and took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any expense you have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell to the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We all know the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a familiar parable. It could be true. I heard Kevin say the other week, uh, the Bible's true. Um, some of the stories that are told may be parables, but the truth in the story 
that Jesus is telling, you know, it's the real deal. But I was talking this over with my wife and she came across some things uh, while we were researching and talking about the topic. And it kind of shed a new light on this story, not just the story of, you know, a good person on the road that helps somebody out. Not only is it a parable, this is an allegory. Um, and I've got some of the, the people that um, way back in the second century, um, it was a very popular uh, allegory that they would teach in church. That is a stained glass window from the 11th century. And you probably can't see the top, but it is Adam and Eve taking the apple. So that's the fall of mankind. And on the bottom of that same stained glass window is the Good Samaritan helping the man on the road. And you would look at that and think, what do those two things have in common? Um, a lot of the research I looked at was from John W. Welsh, a professor at BYU. But there are a lot of things just on Wikipedia about this particular allegory. Um, pretty popular. I had never heard of it told this way before. An allegory is like a symbolistic, fictional narrative. So the characters, the places, the things in this story stand for other things. So we are looking at the fall of mankind and the redemptive story of Christ. So if you'll go to the next slide, we'll listen to who we might be. Even maybe in different times in our lives, in different situations. Each character is a symbol. They stand for an aspect of the redemptive story. The fallen traveler, the robbers, the priest, the donkey. Yeah, even the donkey. The church, the innkeeper, the good Samaritan. Just listen for who you might be. Are we the wounded man? If you'll go to the next slide and look at verse 30. Going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So the wounded man stands for mankind choosing a life of sin. Going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem was the holy temple city. Sin forced Adam and Eve to be banished from the Garden of Eden. Jericho, on the other hand, it was the lowest city on earth. 825 feet below sea level. In fact, it had kind of a nice climate. It was known as the city of palm trees. Herod even made like a hedonistic resort area there where he would party and have fun apparently. Kind of reminded me of Vegas, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of good people that live in Vegas, so I'm not going to slam them, but just kind of an interesting, well, allegory. He chose the dangerous road. Do we sometimes choose a dangerous road? Do we disobey? Do we go against what we know is right? 
are we the robbers? In verse 30, it says, He was attacked by robbers, stripped of his clothes, beaten, went away, leaving him half dead. So the robbers obviously stand for the hostile powers of the world, the devil, satanic forces, evil spirits, maybe false teachings, the clothing. It doesn't say the robbers took anything from him. He didn't have any gold. He didn't have another donkey. Well, they didn't mention it, but they took his clothes. So the garment represents they took away that spiritual covering of grace. Now that mankind is fallen, we are without that protection unless we ask Christ into our lives. The man was beaten. That represents the suffering of this world, even if, you know, we say we're good people. Bad things happen to good people, right? Bad things happen to bad people. It's a broken world. There's suffering all around us. And then it says, left him for half dead. So there's two deaths. The death of sin, but there's hope. In Christ, we remain in a new life. The second death would be us denying him and having eternal separation from him. Are we the priest? They were involved in ritual holiness as a mark of respect for the Lord's law and worship. They would give offerings, sacrifices, burn incense, chants, reciting, scripture, the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? The guys with the clipboards and the guys with the scrolls. Holy people. Verse 31 says, They happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed him on the other side. As a child, I would ask myself, Why, why would a pastor avoid somebody in need? It just always bugged me as a kid. Did he think he was too good for the guy on the side of the road? Was he ashamed that he was on the same road? Where was it leading? Jericho? City of Sin? He happened to be going down the same road. Was the priest out there looking for somebody to help? Was he prepared to help someone in need. Are we the Levite? The Levite represents the prophets of the Old Testament. Levites performed services for public worship. So they were maybe a step below a priest. In verse 32 it says, So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. So
so did the Levite think he's just a lowly church worker and he didn't have a way to help the man? Was he thinking, well, I've got a lot of jobs to do. I'm, I'm busy. I've got to get to the temple and get some work done. Or was he also ashamed to be on the same road as the man headed to Jericho? Well, guess what? We're all on that road. Prophets, the law, they didn't have power to save us from our sin. The prophets told us of the coming Messiah. The law helped us if we followed their teachings to live a life that may honor God, that may produce a little less pain in our lives, help us have a right relationship with one another and with him. But the law and the prophets weren't going to save us from our sin. Who could? Well, the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan in this story is Christ. In verse 33 it says, A Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. So a Samaritan, not from Judea. Jesus was from Nazareth. Nazareth is across the valley north of Samaria. Samaria was considered by those in Judea the least of humanity. And here Jesus was next door neighbors to them. And we know from the Christmas story that the Messiah would come and be with us and then by Easter he was despised and rejected by the world. Even those from his hometown didn't believe that Joseph's carpenter's son was the Lord on earth. As he traveled, we could see that God has Christ with us on the road with us. He sent his son to be with us. He is intent on helping us. We may be the only religion where there is a God who is actively seeking you. We don't have to come to a temple in order to experience God's forgiveness, presence, blessings, He's coming to us on the road. Came to where the man was. At Christmas time we sing Emmanuel, God with us. And that God took pity on us, felt compassion, deep mercy. In fact, the Greek word means his bowels were moved or pained. He felt so deeply for the man on the road. If you look at verse 34, it says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. 
he went to him. He didn't see him and cross the road, get out of his way. Jesus healed, he preached, he ate, he fished with the people. He went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. He allowed lepers to touch him. He touched possessed people. These were all things that were considered unclean in those days. He bandaged the wounds, bound them. That stands for our faith, our love, our salvation. That is, we are bound to him through Christ. We are his. Nothing can separate us. We are wound and bound to him as he's healing us. The anointing oil, it's soothing. It's comforting. And he gives us the comfort of his Holy Spirit. Sometimes when people are sick and in the hospital, that's about all I can do is just pray that they will feel comfort and know that the Holy Spirit will be with them. And then he poured wine. A disinfectant. The alcohol stings at first. But it washes the wound clean. Kind of like the word of God. Sometimes we don't like what the word says. Kind of stings. Mm, that sounds too much like me, God. Mm, Got to change my ways. And of course, during communion we represent the wine as the blood of Christ. He came down from heaven, took human form to show us God's love here on earth. And then at the end of 34, it says, then he put the man on his own donkey. So the donkey is Jesus's earthly body. He carried our burdens. I see that picture of Jesus dragging that cross to Calvary and how heavy that cross may have been. He was kind of that beast of burden. Carrying our sins to the cross, he bore our punishment. And he took on our fleshly bodies we will perish someday, so did he, so that we may live eternally with him. By his bloodshed for us, we are healed. Our sins are washed away, forgiven, and made right in relationship with God the Father through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Are we the in? Could we be a building? In verse 34, it says, He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The inn represents the church. An inn would be an aid to weary travelers, some place to take a rest. 
to eat and recharge. Give your donkey or your mule or your horse a rest. Anyone could enter the inn. They had a piece of gold. The church, we, we accept all who enter. We all are children of God. So the church, it's not a harbor for saints. It's not a club for good people. It's a hospital for sinners. Are we like the inn? Do we allow those who come to rest, to rejuvenate, to worship, to pray, to study, to serve, to connect, to grow, to help others? Or could we be the innkeeper? In verse 35, it says, The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. The innkeeper are church leaders. Two denarii, that was two days wages for a day laborer back then. So I think of that as like maybe the tithe, our offerings. We entrust those to the church. A night's stay in an inn back then would be approximately one thirty-second of one denarii. So he gave him two months' stay. And if he wasn't going to stay there two months to heal, then maybe one month's stay and food. That's a pretty decent offering. He gave his treasure pieces of gold. God gave his treasure, as John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The next day, Christ stayed. The Samaritans stayed. He cared for him during the night. We think of the night as the hardest time. Whether you're sick in the hospital or you're worried about something, it's always the night. And he stayed with the man and then left the denarii with the innkeeper and said, take care of him. That's similar to how Jesus, after his resurrection, stayed with the disciples, appeared to other people, gave them instructions and encouragement before he ascended to heaven. As a church leader, they are uh, entrusted to care for the flock, just like the innkeeper. It's a pretty big responsibility. And then the last slide. He says, when I return, he promises to come back. In verse 35, he says, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So if the two months worth of 
rent wasn't enough in the inn. I'll pay you back more. I'm going to come back. Sounds like the second coming to me. Sounds like we're going to be reunited. He promises to repay. We don't store up earthly treasures. Can't take those with us. We're instructed to store up treasures in heaven. Will we enter the gates? There'll be thrones that were given and crowns, streets of gold, living waters. No death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. We'll be given glorious bodies as Christ's at the ascension. And we will have eternal life in his presence. So who are we? Well, sometimes maybe we're the fallen traveler. I hope not, but maybe sometimes we're the robber. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, says Romans 3.23. Sometimes life beats us down. Have we become a victim to evil deeds? Do we sometimes act on our thoughts and emotions? Are we the priest? The Levite? Busy? Doing God's work? Ignoring someone in need? Are we too busy with the ritual of church, of faith? Does our faith transform our actions? Are we the inn? Are we a church where those can come and rest and rejuvenate and grow and learn and serve? Are we the innkeepers? Leaders of the church? Are we caring for our flock? Or the Samaritan? Our uh, mission statement at First Baptist Church is sharing God's love by following Christ's example. So as the Samaritan does, go and do likewise. Nate's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. If you feel led to make a decision to let the Lord lead your life, to join our fellowship, or dedicate your faith. Please meet me at the front, or see me in the lobby after worship. Or call or visit the front office and visit with Rev Kev this week. Let's stand and sing together. I know.
Christie has an announcement about one of the many things that we are doing in our little church. Yes, one of the opportunities that you have. Now, the ladies' brunch is December 3rd, and it, we start with prayer at 10 in the morning. I noticed that the, uh, the bulletin didn't have the time. Uh, right now, we only have seven hostesses. So if it stays like that, only 56 people get to come to the brunch. So if you're one of the last ones signed up, then you just will be on a wait list. And I'm sorry, but that's where it is. But also coming up is uh, a week from Tuesday, we will be uh, getting the floral people together for the Christmas, the decorating of the, getting the church ready for the hanging of the green. Now here's a reality you need to face. If we don't get the stuff ready, then hanging in the green is going to be later than normal because until it's ready, we don't have the hanging of the green. So, you know, we just, we need help. And if you can help, you need to let me know. Uh, if you're interested in the brunch, um, once again, you can let me know on that too. So anyway, thank you. Father God, thank you for the message brought to us by David this morning. Lord, it gives us a different perspective on, at least it did for me, on the Good Samaritan story. Help us to remember to love each other, to love others, even when we don't like them. <laughs> Help us to be able to go and do likewise. In your name I pray. Amen.